get started here evan what's up howdy gentle sirs hey, hey look who it is i hear you had a break-in yeah dude someone uh i just moved to a new apartment um and i'm parked out in the street so this is the first time i've had to park my car out on the street um just like consistently and uh yeah someone just broke into my car i think I don't remember. Like, I honestly don't know if I left my car unlocked or if they figured out a way to just, like, pick my lock. Um, I wish you could abstract security of a physical item, you know? Have, like, backup backup inheritance or something for a vehicle. But fortunately, no. <laughs> At least not right now. Maybe in uh, some future where we figure out how to tie property and real goods to uh, to digital ownership and stuff imagine the ability because right now i'm in the situation where i have to go get my new car registration if only the car registration were not a physical piece of paper and actually like associated to my account that's tied to my identity (laughs) if only the department of motor vehicles even had a system oh man is it as bad there and everywhere else in the country What's good with Obi boys? What's what's going on? What are the uh, what are the major things? What are the major items? Do you guys want to just wait until more people kind of start joining? Can you only access spaces on mobile? You can't do it on desktop anymore. Negative. You can't do it on desktop. They haven't implemented that yet. But you can't even listen in on desktop. You can listen if you if you're trying to join in. Yeah, yeah. You can listen. It's easy to join in. Yeah, yeah. You can you can join in and listen, but you can't request to speak. I think spaces like the user experience is like fucking the worst bullshit ever. It, it, it set, you set a reminder to go to one. It doesn't give you uh, a notification. And then when you go to actually join it, it just says reminder set. Like I can't join it. Oh, here we go. <laughs> so ridiculous. All right. Um, Okay, gentlemen, I am on my way to the DMV because I need to get my new thingy printed. Good luck. I'm Apologies for not being able to join this one, but if you guys host another one, I will 100% join. Okay. Yeah, no worries. Um, I guess we can... I mean, I'm happy to talk about Obi. I don't want to turn into a show fest, though, since this is more of like a... marketed as a cool place to be for happy hour on a Friday. Pete, you said that you had uh, heard some rumors that the Bitcoin ETF was approved. So that's alpha if anyone wants to go out there and front run the Bitcoin buying. Although it seems like you're not the only one that knew that. Yeah, I mean, it seems like people were getting hyped about it earlier this week. Um, Now it's going around Twitter. A couple of accounts saying that the BlackRock ETF was approved. Um, I don't know. I haven't seen it at the media yet. 
But if it has, if it is, then, you know, that's that's great news in terms of I mean, it might not be great news from some perspectives, but it's great news in terms of the possibility of money pouring into Bitcoin. It's probably less good news for alts, but I don't know. We'll see. But anyway, this would be this would be a spot ETF, which is different than like the leverage ETFs that have been approved in the past. Uh, I saw it was leveraged, but, you know, hey. People make up rumors for engagement these days, so who knows? Right, who knows? Oh, well. Uh, I'll try to find some of the tweets uh, and put them up in here if we want. But anyway, yeah, account abstraction. You know, Evan, uh, you've been going around, you've been talking to normies, you know, friends of yours, um, and uh, trying to tell them about account abstraction, and it's the kind of term that your eyes kind of gloss over, and if you don't know what it means, it just, well, I mean, it sounds really abstract. Uh, what is, what is your success been? Like, what are some tactics or some things that you found people are, uh, that, that connects with people uh, and in order to explain to them why account abstraction is important? Yes. Yeah, so I think that sometimes what it, Whenever we try to talk about Obi, it's just like a total nerd fest and people are like, these guys are are just nerds and they have no idea what they're talking about or I have no idea what they're talking about. And this must be bullshit. Like the emperor has no clothes on. And, and that's partially our fault because we it's taken us a while to even get the definitions as concise as they are now. Um, but I think. You know, I've had some success trying to talk to people about the way that the way that centralized services in Web3 work um, is that they, they pretty much own like the user and the assets and they, they custody your assets. Right. And that's a huge problem if you've been around in the space at all. Um, but people still tend to use those services like a Binance, like a Coinbase, like an FTX. Uh, the list goes on. Because it's a lot more convenient, especially for someone that's like, this is their first foray into crypto. Um, a lot of times I'll talk to like the plumber friend or the mechanic friend or whatever, and they're pitching me who knows what hex or something, um, which I've learned my lesson the hard way never to bash any token ever. Because once upon a time, I used to pitch Luna pretty hard to people. Um, <laughs> so... I just am like, oh yeah, you know, any any coin can go up. And then I ask them, I, I'm more interested in asking them like how they interact with the with the chain or what the you know what they do with their crypto. Do they stake it in LPs? Do they know what that is? Do they know that there's passive income opportunities? Blah, blah, blah. And most of the time you see people that they just they just have a Binance account, right? Especially in like non-US people. Um, or they have a Coinbase account. And like one time I was even uh I was sitting at a local, my local bar actually. And, uh, there was this older guy at the end of the bar and he was talking about how his nephew, he, he invested like a hundred thousand dollars into his nephew's Bitcoin mining operation. And I perked up a little bit cause I was like, Oh, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, and this other guy sitting next to him was like, you know, he was really skeptical and they were both basically in their sixties or beyond. And he's like, you know, I just don't get Bitcoin. What's the point of it? What's the point of crypto? Blah, blah, blah. And, and his response to the guy was, well, here, look, I have this Coinbase account and I can do things on it and nobody can trace any of the transactions. And like, I kind of like face palmed and was like, all right, I'm not even going to get involved in this conversation because the guy that would be on my side of the fence has like fucking no idea what he's talking about. 
and I think that that's true for a lot of people. And I don't mean that in like a, I'm smarter than everyone way. It just, that's kind of the path that people take as they come into, uh, this, this space is you get involved with these assets and the easiest way to do it is to, if you've never interacted with crypto before, you have no idea why you need a third party extension wallet. You have no idea what a seed phrase is. Uh, all that shit means nothing to you. You know, you're used to logging into Twitter or Facebook or your bank account or whatever. And it's all this very nice sort of buttoned up experience where, you know, your account lives on the same interface as um, any of the tools or any of the transaction buttons or, you know, account balances or settings or all that just lives in a nice uniform website with a login and a password. And if you happen to lose that, then you can just uh, ask the the person, the man behind the curtain to, you know, let you back into your account, basically. Um, and I think that is why we see every cycle that we still have these sort of exchanges or these services that pop up that are totally um, non-custodial or, or totally custodial rather, where they're the ones that custody your assets. And it traps a lot of people into them because of just the ease of use. And now we're starting to see you know, some, some other platforms that are taking over a bit. We've seen some non-custodial sort of like DEXs, decentralized exchanges, you know, GMX comes to mind as sort of the most popular one to start to do like um, futures, leverage futures trading. But that was really a product that wasn't available in a decentralized sort of self-custodied manner for a long time. Um, and so people would go to the KuCoins of the world or the FTX or whatever, and they would basically trade that convenience to be able to use those products uh, for you know, the, the, the risk that you might one day lose all of your assets because the people that are actually custodying your assets are lying to you. So we've, um, I still think that there's this huge gap. And I think that hopefully the builders of, of web three and the people that are, um, is stubbornly here, still here with us through, I don't know what we're going into like our third cycle at this point. Um, you would hope that they're focusing on really moving the user experience away from this like, hey, it's self-custody, use a seed phrase. Um, or, you know, if you want convenience, well, just go over and use FTX. Or if you want convenience, like, fuck it, just go to KuCoin because they have, you know, 50X leverage and it's it's way easier and we don't want to deal with it. I think a lot of people are starting to realize that that's, that's not even the point of crypto. If, if you wanted to do that, you could just use a bank. And now... Um, a lot more people are starting to focus on sort of that non-custodial uh, experience and making it as good as as what the centralized exchanges do. So that's something that we do. We fit right into that category. That's um, what we did with the with the Delphi hackathon, and I think that's kind of what prompted us to sort of do some light marketing here and just chat a little bit about what we've been doing behind the scenes because we've been quiet for a bit. Um, you know, our mission is to not to build some wallet that has better UX and is somehow going to compete with the likes of Kepler and MetaMask because that's not realistic. There's already a million different options out there that, that probably do have better UX than MetaMask and probably do have better UX than Kepler, but people are just used to those Kepler MetaMask things already. Um, but we would rather integrate very tightly with the apps themselves and let the apps create uh, their own basically platform uh, where it's still non-custodial, but the user experience is very much this nice, neat, tidy, I'm not really leaving the website per se, I still own my assets, but now I'm in, and for the Delphi hackathon that we won, I'm in a Delphi smart account. Um, 
And the reason there's a couple of reasons we we took this approach as opposed to just trying to um, you know trying to build a, a wallet competitor to MetaMask or to Kepler. And the, I mean, the first one is we want to go where the users are, right? But the second one is you know with account abstraction and and the best way that I've been able to describe it, and hopefully I can continue to kind of tighten this up and make it easier for people to understand. When you when you have a typical smart contract and you have a typical um, EOA, which is a, we'll call that like the legacy account, it's externally owned account. Whenever your account interacts with a smart contract, so that could be an LP contract or a staking contract or whatever it is, the contract is the, the contract sets all of the rules. So whenever you go to stake into a contract, the rules are set by that contract and there's no way for you to really um, protect yourself against malicious intent or um, you know, really know what's going on. But whenever we create a smart account or we use account abstraction, now your account is actually a smart contract itself. And we can start to set rules and certain parameters on your account that precede checks before you interact with any smart contract. Uh, so it kind of turns the whole transaction on its head where now instead of me just being, you know, um, totally at the whims of whatever the, the smart contract wants to do whenever I interact with it, now I can set some rules to one make things more convenient and one make make things more secure. Um, you know, a, a very simple rule here. And and with Obi, you know, we have a bunch of what we call modules, but these are really just it could be anything. There's so many different rules that can be created that you know some are beneficial for uh, an AMM like Osmosis, but others might be totally different and beneficial for like a game or like a a, a Dex um, a Perps Dex. So. That's the other reason why we kind of wanted not to just build a, um, a unified wallet, because if we we build out these modules, well, they don't work for every single application. We want the applications to actually work with us to build these cool little sort of custom features themselves. Um, but, you know, just some quick examples of these things, like what would make a what would make my smart account more secure? Well, I can set a spend limit on my account where I say, hey, I only want to spend you know, four ETH a week, if I'm like a total degen and I'm betting on milady <laughs> stuff or buying NFTs or whatever, um, I don't want to spend 10 ETH a day. Uh, and now if I go and I'm about to fat finger uh, an account or fat finger an order, or I'm about to um, interact with a malicious contract that wants to drain my entire account instead of me buying something or, or interacting with a contract that I am intended to, um, I will either not be able to do it because I've already set a, a spending limit, or it will escalate the amount of keys that my my self uh, custodied wallet is asking me for. So that's just one rule. It's it's you know a very basic example. On the convenience side, another very basic example of a convenience factor is something that we call session key, and a session key basically creates this this user phenomenon of like logging on. So now when you go to uh, a perps exchange or a game. Instead of every single time you want to interact with the game piece or every single time you want to scale in or out of a position on a, on a DEX uh, trade, you, you have to continue to bring up the wallet interface and sign it and, you know, deal with the gas fee and deal with, you know, might not go through or deal like you get a misquote and it has to update or whatever. Uh, you got to pull out your ledger and click the button 5,000 times. You have carpal tunnel in your right hand before you've even, you know, scaled into a position. Um, now, basically, it just allows you to set like a, a, a login key where you're in and then for an arbitrary amount of time that the platform sets or that the user sets, you don't need to continuously sign over and over and over again. You can just 
basically sign as long as the browser window is open or maybe it's 30 minutes or whatever. So, you know, those are like the two sort of main examples, but really the sky is the limit. Um, and, you know, these are very basic things that I think make account abstraction interesting. But uh, Pete, you've gone even deeper into sort of some really in, like crazy stuff, which is where I think it gets really interesting um, with Obi specifically, which is the um, the the passport stuff and some of the cross chain stuff where we can basically remote control assets on other chains. And that's what's interesting and unique about Obi is we can kind of live wherever. We can live on EVM chains. We can live on Bitcoin. Um, and then, you know, the keys, it doesn't really matter where they're generated or what chain they come from, but we give apps the ability to then um, interact with other chains, whether they're using assets from other chains for margin, for trading, or they want to participate in, um, <clears throat> you know, like one of our one of our clients that we're in early stages of working with is a launch pad. And one of the issues with launch pads is you have to, Basically, if you're not just doing launchpad uh, launches from the same ecosystem over and over again, you're asking your users to go through the onboarding process of a new wallet, a new ecosystem, you know, gas up a new account, which is a huge fucking pain in the ass, right? I, I only have Cosmos. I only have Adam in my wallet. Now you're asking, you're telling me I need Solana. I need to go get a Solana wallet and I need to send my Adam into a centralized exchange, trade it and send it back into my new Solana wallet just to participate in this launchpad. What a pain in the ass that is. Well, with Obi, and, and this remote control or this passport, which Pete can talk more technically about than I can, um, there, you don't need to do that anymore. You basically just onboard once and then with your account, you can control natively assets on other chains and the fees are paid for you. Um, and the rules are set, you know, locally by your account abstraction so that, you know, you still have those protections and that convenience. So um, that was a lot. I just went on like a 20 minute diatribe. So I'll I'll stop talking and let Pete, if you want to follow up on any holes I missed there, um, that'd be great. I mean, sure. It's it's uh, we've been working on a lot of really exciting stuff. Like uh, we're working on a a product right now that's in Unity, so a game can just add it, um, and uh, it's on Ethereum, even though the account abstraction can be somewhere else. So we're running the the smart account itself. You can deploy on say a Cosmos chain where it's cheaper or um, it's more connected, you know, to the apps you want to use or whatever, but then you can still have Ethereum assets and addresses and Bitcoin assets and addresses that you control. So the, uh, the place where the account checks, you know, is this transaction under my spend limit? Is it an active session key or a login where the user is currently logged in? Is it not doing something dangerous? Is it only interacting with whitelisted game contracts? Uh, things like that, right? It's checking, like, do the rules apply to this transaction? Is this allowed or is it blocked for some reason? Or does it need to be delayed or does it trigger something? That's being applied not even on Ethereum. That's being applied off-chain. Uh, right now, it's on a Cosmos chain. But in the future, we're actually working on it being ZK proofs um, for certain kinds of abstraction rules. Uh, and the, But then that's finally, ultimately, when the account approves that, uh, when the public blockchain approves that transaction and says, hey, wait a minute. Yes, this is this does fit the rules. There's a rule that lets this transaction through, whether it's a session key or a spend limit or a inheritance or whatever. Uh, then it doesn't just broadcast it to its own chain. It signs it. Um, and then it can be broadcast to the final chain. Uh, and we've figured out how to do that in a way that's still recoverable, inheritable, and is recoverable even if the chain you're doing that on goes down. 
uh, or is like completely compromised. Uh, so you get a signed transaction uh, that you that is then broadcast to Ethereum, and you can do things on Ethereum or Bitcoin for that matter with these special protections. So I can come into the game, I can log in. Now I don't have to sign transactions for every single thing I do. I just created a session key by logging in. If I close my game or if a timer runs out, then the session key is destroyed. It doesn't work anymore. If I try to spend over whatever like limit the session key has, or I try to do anything outside of the game context, like you know, send all my ETH somewhere, then it doesn't work. It will. I could still do those things because I'm the owner of the account. I have final say, but it won't work on the session key, and it'll prompt me. It'll say, "This is an unusual transaction. You need to sign with all your multi keys." Right. So we're enabling these things that users have come to expect from the Web two world. Uh, people expect to go to a website and just log in and not have to. Uh, enter their password or sign with a special extension every single action they take. Um, but they expect to have to enter their password if they're doing something huge, like sending a million dollars or changing their email address, right? Uh, so they expect the security that comes with protection from dangerous actions, protection from huge amounts. You know, they don't want to accidentally send a million dollars to someone. They don't want someone else who stops by their computer while it's unlocked to send a million dollars to someone. So they want protection in those big cases. But for general day-to-day -day usage, they just want to log in experience. They also want to know that if their account, uh, which they have control of now in Web3, if their account, if they have trouble with it, if they lose a password or they lose a device or they lose access to their email or text message or you know they lose an NFC device, a YubiKey, a passport, all the various keys we support, if they lose a couple of those, they can still recover. And if a couple of those are stolen, then the attacker can't even get their account, right? There's, they expect these things from traditional applications. And now we have these benefits of Web3, like sovereignty and immutability and transparency and things like that. But we don't have any of those essential Web2 experience points that people, uh, that people just expect and people need in order to have good UX. So we're enabling those in a non-custodial way on Web3. And it's it's taken us a lot of thought to get here. Uh, when, uh, when you push, when you go and, and you have a session key in this game and you try to buy an NFT, right? You're sending tokens. Uh, I mean, there's a huge number of technologies involved. Uh, there's a there's a, a trusted hardware like like secret network. There's a, a, a network where your account lives, a Rust uh, smart contract, which is uh, just we've we're, we've value security for this stuff. So we decided not to go with Solidity, uh, a Rust smart contract, and then there's the ERC four three three seven standard involved. And uh, you know, um, and that's not even just the multi key part. That's that's the whole flow of where the transaction heads. But we figured out how to do it with basically with queries and quick and easy and, and, and uh, cheap, uh, cheap methods along the way so that it's very quick. It doesn't add additional time to the Ethereum block time. Uh, it's movable to layer two. You could go take your game to Arbitrum later and your users accounts would still be the same on that new chain. Um, and it is uh, it, it doesn't incur much additional fee now there's some more fees with 4337 but 4337 also lets you do paymastering so we have fee lending we have fee covering we use queries when possible that doesn't that just don't have fees 
Um, we can uh, reimburse the gas fee from the result of the transaction. If you made a trade or you sold an NFT, we can, uh, you know, have the game or or a community or a you know a DAO pool or whatever cover fees for users. Every you know multiple different ways to make sure that users never run into an insufficient fee problem. So all these UX problems that exist in Web three, I can't just log in. I have to sign everything I do. Right. If I lose a key, I'm done. And it's really hard to keep them securely because if someone sees it or gets it, I'm done. Right. If I if I have a flood, I'm wrecked. If I forget my safe code wrecked, if, you know, my bank or my lawyer, you know, decide to collude against me wrecked. If my my wife, who I gave my keys to, decides to run away with my money wrecked. There's just there's so many ways to get wrecked with the, the current seed phrase setup. So that doesn't work. But we also don't want to be custodying all our coins with someone. Uh, we've seen how, you know, FTX, BlockFi, Voyager, Celsius, they just, all these uh, collapses from mismanaged funds when you're trusting custodians. So uh, we've come up with a way that's non-custodial here, uh, but is still recoverable. It, uh, it's recoverable in that you can even take it to another app or another chain and continue using your account there because the things that make up your multi-key, that make up your OBI, that make up your identity all still the same. Your phone number, your email, your passport, your whatever you're using, your uh, telegram, your um, your devices, you know, whatever factors you've chosen to put into the mix are all still the same. So it's recoverable, it's hack resistant, uh, and yet still, thanks to account abstraction and to concepts like session keys, we've been able to one-click uh, login experience for users. So it's not only unparalleled convenience, but it's also unparalleled recovery and security for users. Does that fill in a couple of holes, Evan? Oh, Evan's uh, requested. Hang on one second. He must have gotten booted. Yeah, sorry. My internet's trash. Um, no, that, that sounds good. I, and I think just to tie it into... The, and then um, I, we got a question that I'd be happy to address too, um, just to tie it into sort of like the the title, which I tried to make it sort of like shilly marketing. But um, I do think the next cycle is going to require, like, think about all the people who came into crypto and just they're only, and I'm not talking about like Web3 DGENs, like most of the people on this call are probably pretty balls deep in the game by now, but um with the the people that came in and like their their idea of what crypto is is like a Tom Brady commercial um and like FTX and then they lose their assets and maybe they only put you know a small amount on there but they they say well that's bullshit why wouldn't i just go with with Chase or Fidelity or whatever and i think the next bull run will be interesting to see if we can really make the UX of decentralized platforms just as good as Chase or Fidelity or E-Trade or whatever um, I think that will be really interesting to see people's reaction whenever they start to use some of the some of the derivatives and some of the like cool products and tools and things. And they're like, oh, this is awesome. Like, I don't need to, you know, do KYC to to do this or I don't need to, um, you know, talk to 15 people at the bank and get charged fees by someone who tells me they're professional to like get into this strategy. Like this is a this is a community strategy. Like this is awesome. And I think that's what brings a lot of people in. But then when they get burned by the inevitable fuck up by some centralized entity, then, you know, they, they might never come back. And I think when I when, when I made the title of this and I said, 
you know, a, a new paradigm for the next bull run. Um, I think somebody has to do this. And we've started to see it already with a lot of the, you know, I mentioned GMX earlier in the call, um, Vertex, which I think we can uh, kind of publicly announce sort of that we're, we're in early stages of, of specking out some partnerships with them. You know, they, they're doing a great job of providing a lot of products that FTX would with cross margin. Um, they're, they're looking into doing isolated margin trades. Um, you know, all, all sorts of like futures and, and good, like abilities to do, um, um, what's it called funding collecting. If you're like a more of like a hedgy or whatever, but they're doing it in a non, uh, custodial way as compared to, uh, some of the other, you know, sort of blow up, uh, platforms that you mentioned earlier. So I really think that that's going to be one of the biggest differences whenever we hopefully cycle back here and maybe that's next year or or whenever, but I think that hopefully these next sort of products that catch on and these next platforms that become very, very popular with people, they have to have that ease of use. They have to have the convenience of the FTX, of the Voyager, of the Celsius, but they they have to still be self-custodial because uh, otherwise you, you might as well just use a bank. Um, one of the questions we got, and this might be a better question for Pete. Uh, shit, I can't find it. Hold on. Oh, here it is. Uh, Terrence, Terrence probably pinned it. Yeah, Yeah, I pinned it up at the top. Terrence Um, says, what are the security risks with account abstraction? It sounds really awesome, but at the same time, it makes me think about the recent drama surrounding Ledger being able to push an update out that can abstract your private keys from you. I I can give you my version of the answer and then Pete can give you a more nerdy version of the answer, I'm sure. Um, With with OB multi-key, which is the name of our keyless onboarding, we we are open to any key being used and really any combination of key being used. So OB multi-key is essentially a multi-sig, except you own every aspect of the key. So one might be tied to your physical device, like a secure enclave, face ID, or whatever the Google equivalent of that is, or maybe like your touch ID on your computer. One is, is your phone number, so it's separate from the device itself. Um, one could be a ledger, so ledger could be integrated. And then like a, like a fourth one in this is NFC capabilities, near-field communication. So now you have four keys, and then you set your own threshold. So you say, hey, I want a three of four, so that anytime my account transacts, it's using three of these four keys. Or maybe you want to be you know, a little bit less secure and easier to recover. You want to do a two of four. Um, so it's really up to either the user and or the platform on how many keys you want to use. But we tried to select these keys through uh, what Pete has coined as a term security by diversity. So each one, while on its own, isn't um, like a great secure option. Uh, it's basically as weak or, or uh, maybe a bit stronger than a seed phrase. It's still um, it's used in tandem with a bunch of other keys. And, and then what we can do with platforms whenever we start to, use, you know, you start to see um, the osmosis, for example, smart account. Maybe whenever you first onboard, you only very quickly create two keys. And so now you have a one of two. Um, one's a device key and one's a phone key. But then whenever you put your first $100 into the, to the account, uh, we can prompt you to then create another key so that you have a two of three. Um, and then maybe if you have $10,000 on the account, we'll say, okay, let's create another key so that you have a two of four or a three of four or whatever. Um, and you might be asking yourself, okay, well, I don't want to sign with three keys every single time. I want to just make a swap. 
that's where the session key thing comes in from earlier. But that's really sort of the the difference between um, what we're doing and what some of the other platforms are doing. I think this is really interesting because, and we can start to dive a little bit into uh, the future, the the distant future of OB and sort of how we want to incentivize our users. Um, but we we are open to we want to be almost key agnostic. Uh, any service out there that can provide sort of a secure detail about a person, whether it's something they have, something they know, or something they are, we're open to introducing that as a key option on our platform. We've talked with uh, voice-off companies. We've we've been in in the weeds with um, a company that can verify if a passport is authentic or not. So we want to allow really either the user or the platform, depending on how uh, it's situated, to be able to choose what type of key they're using. Um, and then, you know, the, the user can pretty much progressively onboard as much or as little as they want. And it doesn't even have to be one person. Um, you know, if let's just say everybody on this call right now, we wanted to form a DAO and we wanted to say, we're going to um, we're going to manage Pantera's. He's going to donate one ETH to the Treasury and, and everybody splits that. And let's decide how to manage that. We could all uh, create just one device key so that the phone you're listening to on this call is the key. And everybody has a device. And then we'll say it's a, I don't know how many people are listening. We've got a, a modest crowd here. It looks like um, 16. So if if we've got 16, we'll, we'll make our threshold, you know, four out of 16, or maybe five out of 16, because we don't know any of you guys, maybe you're going to collude or six out of 16, whatever we want to do. Um, and then we'll be able to manage that because every time we sign a transaction, well, we all need to just use our device key and we can use it from, you know, separate areas. Maybe we think that uh, Sefi, who's listening in, is the best trader amongst us. So we'll say, hey, we will whitelist white or allow list is the politically correct way to say it now. Um, we will whitelist these transactions only. So Sefi can go in and he can trade um, on Osmosis in these pools with these assets that we trust. However, we will not allow him to withdraw any of that. So now we're all sitting back and we're enjoying him trading and we think he's a big brain guy and he's awesome. And he's making all these trades. Um, but we also are, are pretty feel pretty good that he's not going to be able to withdraw because we need, you know, eight of 16 keys in order to withdraw or maybe 16 of 16 keys in order to withdraw. So there's a bunch of different ways that platforms and individuals can um, configure these accounts to, to, add security and again convenience like there's the, there's there's always this convenience it's not just about like a helmet <laughs> it's, we're not trying to sell insurance to you after you've already wrecked your car there are some awesome convenient things that you can do with this that otherwise uh you wouldn't be able to do with just a traditional multi-sig or or a seed phrase account or, or an eoa as we call them yeah i'll come at the question from a different uh angle um Obviously, a, a smart a smart account account abstraction uses smart contracts, um, and smart contracts involve several risks. Uh, there's the risk that there's a bug or exploit that's unknown. Um, there's the risk that uh, if it's an updatable smart contract, if it's on a platform that allows that, uh, that uh, a malicious update will be pushed. Uh, there's, I mean, there, there are other risks as well, but I'll hit those. Those are the two main ones. Uh, the first one's bugs exploits. Uh, you know, you're dealing with your, your money and the, as an account, the manager of your assets, like you have rules that this account enforces. 
Um, and what if there's an exploit that allows someone to to try to do something that they shouldn't be allowed to do, right? Some rule doesn't work correctly. Well, uh, we thought through that, and that's why we uh, we picked Rust as language. That's why we're pursuing auditing and like intense security practices. But that's not enough. It's kind of like our approach to multi-key. Um, I don't think we should pick one key type like phone or device or seed phrase and try to make it 100% bulletproof. Uh, first of all, that's a fool's errand. Uh, and there's just so many ways to mess it up. It's much better to have uh, a multi-key where if you do get one or two or three keys compromised, it's fine. Uh, you can recover and you can update, you can kick the bad keys out. Um, so with that in mind, we've got all kinds of things like security notifications in the works where if someone starts to compromise your multi-key uh, and that can be detected, which it can be with some key types, then uh, you're alerted and to, hey, if this isn't you, you should update your multi-key. Um, and then, uh, you know, on the contract side, we have global like rules and a kind of firewall contract where even if there's an exploit at, at, in the code that enforces those rules, um, you will, it will not get past the firewall rules. So you can have like, uh, a certain global, uh, threshold limit. And eventually we want to do like transaction simulation and things. Um, we're not there yet. Uh, where there's firewall security contracts that protect you even from exploits at other levels or unknown bugs at other levels. Um, and it might even become possible then to have, we've talked about a lot of different kinds of abstraction rules here. Uh, there's subscriptions, inheritance, budgets, allowances, which are all kind of the same. Um, escrow purchases are also kind of the same category there. There's delays, there's allow list, block list. Uh, we can allow or block messages based on what contract is, what the action is, who the sender is, who the recipient is, what the fields are. You know, you could say, I want this NFT to never be moved unless I like sign, wait 24 hours and then sign again. You know, so um, there's all kinds of rules and we haven't thought of them all. Uh, so the idea is ultimately to allow users to be able to bring in their own rules um, and other other platforms and so on to have rules too. Uh, but those would be also subject to the firewall. Um, and then the second thing is like, do we push a malicious update? Um, right, there's, OB uh, is right now as a company, eventually it will be a network of distributed service providers where these, prov these services we're talking about, uh, like as getting SMSs sent to you and things, will not be provided by OB the company, but will be provided by nodes on the network. Uh, like the same kind of nodes that are validators and other kinds of nodes on the network. They'll be able to provide these services and suddenly you're able to send SMS messages from smart contracts and things like that. Uh, but they can do it in a way that, um, that keeps them in check, uh, like keeps them reliable, keeps them uh, going. Uh, and that way, if there's a, let's say there's a problem where a certain SMS provider, we'll call it Twilio, uh, doesn't like what we're doing and comes and attacks Obi and says, all right, well, we're shutting down uh, because, you know, Cephi over here traded for a shitcoin that's on the SEC list. Um, so, you know, back in, back in 2020. Uh, so we're going to shut this, this uh, we're going to shut your, you down as Obi, right? Um, well, it'd be, fine and resilient because a network of providers is providing SMSs services uh, and there are different entities in different jurisdictions using different providers. Uh, and so that, that's one of our 
our goals in terms of decentralizing some of these services. And then in terms of like assure people being sure that like malicious code updates can't be pushed, right? We can't, um, first of all, you, your account cannot be updated unless you update it. Uh, but who are we kidding? People just click the update button all the time and they don't look at the contents of the update. Uh, you know, much less review the code for the update. So we're working on uh, code signing where uh, there's cryptographic proof that uh, that uh, a large, like a, a many people uh, were involved in signing off on this update. Uh, we're looking obviously at open source contracts as well so that those who can read code can read and validate the updates. Um, and uh and a number of other things and of course it, you can never it doesn't ever auto update you have to update your account yourself yeah i think um you mentioned like a network of of service providers and yeah go ahead Sorry, Evan. Uh, yeah uh yeah so Pete had mentioned a network of service providers and i think that's where things actually get get super super interesting and i will try to uh <laughs> i will try to preface what i'm about to say with OB has no intention of ever creating a token, but if we did, it would look something like this. Um, we so you know if we want to create this network of nodes that are helping us basically onboard users with with these services, and they could be any service. Um, uh, you know, it could be a multi-key service. It could be something that we need for account abstraction. We need to incentivize them somehow, and we realized that. And we said, well, you know, obviously a, a way to do that, if a decentralized network was to incentivize a hypothetical group of nodes, they would use a token. Uh, but the problem is we can't just pay a token to a bunch of nodes and ask people to stake to those nodes and then earn that token because it just creates this like super inflationary hell spiral into oblivion. Um, and there's really no reason to hold that hypothetical token that we'll never come out with, right? Um, but where things get really interesting, and we haven't talked a lot publicly about this, is if we, if we go back a little bit in the conversation, we talked about this, this passport concept where we can control assets natively on other chains, even though the keys might exist in Cosmos. So for those of you that just joined and maybe missed this, you know, a user could onboard to a Cosmos application. Their keys exist uh, like using a Cosmos SDK, but they can control native Bitcoin. They can control native assets on native uh, EVM chains. Um, and so what, what that does for us, and this is like a, a pretty unique thing, and a lot of people start to perk up when we start talking about this, is you could basically now with Obi and the whole business model behind Obi is to charge a, a service fee. Um, you know, that's a small transaction fee. Now, wherever Obi lives, whether that's on a, a Bitcoin chain, whether that's an EVM, whether that's a Cosmos chain, we could start to charge native fees on that. And so as a centralized company, where we are now, we collect those fees. But let's just say hypothetically, which we'll never do, uh, we decide to turn this into a network of service providers. Now we can pull all of those assets and we can say, hey, if you're staking a hypothetical OB token that we'll never invent to a hypothetical node that will never run, uh, you can start to earn native fees, not just inflationary OB, not just some bullshit new token that's just trying to incentivize people because you know it's the next hottest network you can actually stake a hypothetical blue coin that will never come out with um and you can earn native bitcoin native ethereum nate and so it, native cosmos chains wherever we live so it starts to incentivize every single person in the network 
your users, your validators, your stakers, your applications that are actually involved in this, because we can say, you know, hey, an application, um, we can we can look at potentially pulling and incentivizing them an additional uh, amount for their users or whatever, whatever we um, hypothetically will never come up with. So um, I think that's where things get really interesting. And I think it would be very cool for people to see, um, you know, eventually, because our approach has been to work very closely with the applications and to build smart accounts. And uh, we won the hackathon with an Osmosis smart account. But I think eventually there will be an OB hub, which will be its own standalone wallet where you go in and you um, stake this hypothetical token that we'll never invent. And you earn rewards from, uh, you know, native Bitcoin, native Ethereum and Cosmos. And so it might have a limited functionality as far as interacting with apps, but it will be like the core sort of um, reward center for for this made up token that we have never discussed and will never come out with for legal purposes. And that's it. <laughs> uh, it's 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 a lot to wrap your head around um that evan and i have found it like we're we're times here uh the idea that you can hold all your keys but that if like you can hold your keys but if you lose keys you're okay and if someone steals keys you're okay um the idea that it's inheritance that's non-custodial and if your inheritor decides to try to steal from you ahead of time, it, they can't. Um, or your lawyer like colludes with your brother-in-law or something, you know, and uh, they they can't do they can't get your funds. Um, the idea that you can come and use a web application and you you can have a wallet that's universal. Um, that. Uh, but it just you don't have to install an app or web or extension to use it. It pops right up on the website uh, that you're using. Uh, it's just integrated right there. You don't have to manage, uh, you know, some silly Chrome extension that could get updated on you or that, uh, you know, might not work with your browser. Um, the idea that you can just log in and take actions and you don't have to keep signing. The idea that if you fat finger a trade, you know, you, you're trying to trade $10,000, but you accidentally like, enter a few extra zeros, you know, and then let's say you have that in your account, um, that you're alerted, hey, this is a big or unusual transaction. Are you sure? And if you're sure, you have to multi-factor authenticate. The idea that you can be playing a game with an unlocked uh, wallet, and if you step away and, you know, someone who's visiting or your roommate decides to try to get on and steal all your funds, the only thing they can do is continue to play the game for you. Right. Um, we're busting up. And the idea that if you're you start an account on one chain, you can use that account to control assets on other chains uh, and interact with applications on other chains without doing additional setup or key management or wallet management or anything. Uh, we're busting a, a few uh, boxes here, paradigms like that have trapped people in into thinking like this is the way it has to be. Um, so it's 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 pretty complex. Um, but you know, the unifying factor here is we want to bring the ease of web two UX over to web three in a way that's non-custodial in a way that's web three native in a way that still ensures all the sovereignty, immutability, transparency, whatever guarantees you're in web three for still keeps those intact. Uh, but bring, but makes it as easy as web two apps. That unifies everything we're going after. That unifies our demos so far. I know that in a, a week or two, 
we'll have a pretty sweet uh, like double demo video. Uh, one on a Dex on a Cosmos chain, and one in a game on an Ethereum uh, on Ethereum itself, uh, showing this off on texts uh, for two different kinds of applications, but with abstraction rules that make sense for each of them. So we're really excited to get to that point. Yeah, I think I can uh, put a bow around it just by saying um, where we're at with with this actually rolling out live. Um, we we did build pretty much all most of this functionality, 80% of it into um, what we call OB labs, which is really just a showroom that can, can sort of just show applications that we want to build with what we can do and what they can do with it. Um, but I, I mentioned vertex, you know, we're hoping to uh, begin doing a little bit of user research with them to find out which of these modules that they, their users would, would be interested in. Uh, one thing that they've talked about being interested in is um, being able to have a user, basically, you know, the current user experience for them is the user has to get their assets into Arbitrum, and then they have to uh, deposit them with with OB and with account abstraction. Uh, the user basically just onboards into Vertex, and then whatever assets they have from whatever chain, they can just use those as margin right away. Uh, they don't need to use any bridges. Um, I mean, I mean, I don't want to sound like Doquan saying die will die by our hand, but we could if everyone used Passport and the ability to do this sort of virtual escrow, uh, we would render bridges obsolete in crypto. And that's like one of the biggest sort of security risks that happens out there. So um, I think there's some some super cool, interesting stuff, especially in that field um, for, for where account abstraction is going. And then. Um, you know, with osmosis specifically, uh, next week, we we're hoping to come out with a little bit more sort of context on what an osmosis smart account is and, uh, what the, the actual project we built out that won the Delphi hackathon, what it looks like, what is the user experience for actually going into osmosis and, uh, and using an osmosis smart account as compared to just, you know, connecting your Kepler, um, and using that instead. So there's a couple there that we're, we're working with, and then a couple more that, uh, we haven't announced publicly, but I can say that um, we're interested because it's a very good balance between different types of apps. Uh, Pete mentioned a, a big gaming app that's using Unity, and and um, you know Vertex obviously is a is a derivatives trading platform. Um, Osmosis is sort of your more traditional AMM, and then and then um, you know they're in different chains and different networks. So we'll be able to kind of show off like how we interact with different chains that have different rules and different needs as far as the account abstraction rules go, but also they're on different networks. So you can start to imagine if we ever hypothetically came out with this token that we'll never invent, um, if it's already working in Bitcoin ecosystems and EVM ecosystems, what would a staked blue token look like that is earning fees from these users on these relatively large platforms? So that's kind of where the excitement comes for for retail users or for people that are just trying to find like the next uh, cool project. So um, I'll stop speaking on that now before I get myself in trouble. But uh, I, I don't know if anyone has any questions or wants to provide any feedback or whatever, um, but we can wrap it up pretty soon if not. Yeah, I'm really excited about the, the Unity thing. Um, we've been working on it. I mean, imagine you, you're a dev for games and you can pick a chain and add 
like a home chain and add NFTs or points or like some social system or DAOs or, you know, financial aspects, tokens, whatever, uh, to your game with just a few lines of code. Um, so we're working on like a Stripe Shopify experience that where it's just a few lines of code to add this functionality. Um, and it works on websites, it works in other apps, or it works straight from, from Unity games. Uh, and that's what uh, we're working on deploying right now. So I, I know that gaming and crypto has a kind of a love hate relationship, definitely frenemies. Uh, and, uh, but, uh, we're really excited about that. But yeah. Does anyone have any questions? Uh, if so, I'll open them up here and we can answer them. All right. Well, in that case, thanks everybody. We'll have another chat soon, uh, about more about account abstraction. We didn't talk about intents. I thought about talking about intents uh, since uh, on uh, when you're on account abstraction across chains, you can treat assets as the same asset, even if they're different bridged versions or wrapped versions. Um, you can lock things in virtual escrow. You can uh, all sorts of all sorts of possibilities that are uh, unlocked by having smart accounts. Uh, Evan, go ahead. You want to take us out? Oh. Steffi has uh, requested. I'll go ahead and add him. Hey, hey, welcome to the stage. Hey, guys, I uh, got my questioning kind of late there, so I think you're already trying to close up. But uh, that last point you're making about um, like uh, external games um, and using this system, um, what would that look like? So let's say I'm in an app of some kind um, and I'm playing whatever game. And how does this connect to Obi? Is it like via the wallet somehow? Or is it in the back end? Like, describe the user experience a bit. I mean, assuming that functionality so, to be finished, you know? Right, right. Um, so we have, a, we have a game demo that we've uh, been working on that uses this. Uh, and it's just, it's a game that you can go to in your browser, like a game website. Uh, it could be an iPhone game. It could be, uh, you know, a, a, a native Mac OS or, or Windows game uh, or Linux for that matter. Uh, and in the game, in the interface, however the devs wanted to put it in there is a wallet button, um, you know, or just some kind of function in the game that brings up the wallet. Maybe you go to the store uh, or you, uh, you know, you, you interact somehow with something that is going to use Web3 functionality. Uh, however, the devs want that to work. And it pops up the the OB, a white-labeled, you know, branded-themed OB modal interface, uh, which you can move around and, you know, put in the 3D world or just have show up like it's a drawer or a, you know, a modal pop-up. Uh, and that onboards you, if you're not onboarded, uh, into an OB wallet. So you... Uh, you if it's really quick we have under a minute right now for a two of four um you get an, you get a code to your phone uh that's like a url uh you don't follow it but you input it back in and that uh sets up your phone key and then you have a couple other keys set up pretty automatically uh and then you have a two of four diverse multi-key where if uh, someone steals one of those keys they can't take your account and if you lose two of those you're you're still fine like let's say you lose your phone and that was the only access you had to your phone number. Um, you could still recover. If you're already an OB user, 
somewhere else or at a different game, as you start this process, since those things that are true about you still are the same, um, the keys that are generated or, or stored in your cloud or whatever uh, for the multi-key, uh, they, they intersect, they, they overlap, they're the same. And the app says, oh, wait, you already have an OB, do you just want to log in with that? So now you're onboarded to the wallet in the game, in the game universe, and you have balances there or NFTs there. And whenever you uh, take a game action that uh, wants to interact with the wallet, it can do so. Uh, kind of like current apps interact with extensions. Uh, it you know, pops up the modal. It can pop up the modal as appropriate uh, in the game, wherever the devs place it, or just by default as like a modal overlay on the game. Uh, so if you uh, want to send tokens, receive tokens, you know, you want to mint NFTs, you want to trade NFTs, whatever in the game, it works in that modal context. Um, it's still universal. You could go to another app that used an OB account and you see the same assets uh, or manage the same things. Uh, but it's integrated fully without you having to go to like some Google App Store or app like Apple App Store and install and onboard confusingly to uh, a technical wallet. Um, does that make does it make sense to you, Sefi? Is that uh, yeah, I think so. There's, there's so a little you're, bit more you're, you're not going to have to be um, like uh, interacting with the wallet over and over again uh, while you're in the in the theoretical game. Then that's basically my point. Like, right, right. So well, I, I'd like to add too because session keys uh, are so popular with gaming platforms. The whenever a user, whenever an ex so. Pete kind of went through like the onboarding process for a user, but whenever an existing user comes back to the game and they choose login, um, they they can then they'll be given an option to now sign with with their threshold. So if it's you know two or four, they sign with both keys, and then that creates a session key for them for the entirety of the session that they're playing the game. So they don't need to keep bringing up the wallet to to you know transact or. Um, do whatever it takes to to buy or sell items in the game. Now, now we we could make it so that uh, perhaps there's a limit on that. So just in case they're about to sell, I don't know, like Thor's hammer, which is the most rare item in the game for uh, you know twenty five lunk or something. Um, that that you know they would es escalate it to be like, hey, sign with two keys here, and they'd be like, wait a minute, don't I have a session key running? And then the the transaction details would hopefully. Um, cause that that would cause them to perk up and check out the transaction details, but it's really up to the platform to decide how they want the user experience to to work within the the way that we can. Right. All right. Thanks everyone for coming in. Uh, watch for videos from us uh, coming soon. Some some demos. Uh, some it, you know it's again a lot of concepts, but when you see the smooth onboarding and the login concept and the multi key without seeds. Uh, without seed magic seed phrases and things like that, it uh, it all starts to click. So uh, we're really excited to to show those demos and keep chugging. And thanks to uh, the early listeners here, very interested in account abstraction. Um, we're we're taking it beyond. Uh, most of the community is talking about the possibilities of covering fees for users and bundling transactions for for like scalability and uh, low gas costs. And those are definitely interesting. Uh, but we're taking it beyond that with uh, recoverable accounts, multi-key, um, seedless onboarding, uh, budgets, allowances, subscriptions, inheritance, uh, whitelists or allow lists and block lists, 
uh, delays on big transactions, things like that. Because once your account is a smart contract that is checking rules before it lets a transaction through, uh, the sky's the limit in terms of like what simple rules you can apply. And those can give a lot of convenience, but also a lot of protection and security to users. So we're excited to keep rolling that out and uh, you'll hear from us, see from us soon. Thanks all. All right, raise your hand, Evan. Wrap us up, Evan. <laughs> that was the wave emoji, not the hand raise emoji. Oh, well, now you're talking, so keep going. <laughs> All right. Um, I forget. What did our old sign-off used to be for terabytes? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, Discover Obi by... <laughs> Discovering Obi. <laughs> no, we need, a, we need a better slogan. All right, we'll work on that. We'll have one by next time. Peace. Motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey. What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve. Mentality stuck in the burbs. I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works. And we'll see what other kinds of trash is under the dirt. We rape and plunder the earth. Sit and wonder about the worth and plate. Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served. Motherfuckers walking around here looking faceless. Trying to make a living selling friendship bracelets. Dead ants dragging out the max amount of payments. Red down days got them acting all bankless. Yo fam, what? Check these tokenomics. They probing this bear. Flexing broken honest. I had to lay my soul down. I'm just roasting honest. And then to end a long day. Eleven bowls of chronic. Never known the politic. I was born to frolic. It's been my policy to pollinate all over the plot. We got a lot of apologists jumping in at the top. We like to measure their velocity before they hit rock bottom. Over impossible loss. It's all moss. And I'm liking the odds. Bond doing the morning for and mycological bonds Flick the cap, though the road is highly involved Flip a coin, diary falls Motherfuckers screaming out loud Looking for mercy Before they find themselves Working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first Before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Sit and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served Trying to figure out the max amount of dinner They stacked in on toxic just to get a better place, smacking on the hostage Like the shit is played for keeps clowns, white knight and all these Maybelines. They call it implausible, when model after model keeps on Ripping off the coat and going full throttle eats Tearing apart your communitility All these low-hanging fruits bearing zero liquidity Got a planet in reach, coming standard to each I'm on the back ten stargazing after the siege Commanding all the management to grab a few seats And then we'll round up the beasts and send a messenger east Y'all better sign a release when I'm bumping these beats Hands up if I got motherfuckers drumming the streets Yo, we got a few dubs, we got a couple defeats And if you're coming for the king, you better have some of each Motherfuckers fuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Say and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served